Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Dobry venture from Prague, and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast. I'm Pete Coleman. And I'm Travis Dow from the History of Alchemy podcast. Tonight, we are introducing the podcast version of my blog called Bohemican.com. We will look at, uh, we will have you break out the map of the Czech Republic tonight and bring you up to date on history, legends, culture, and traditions from all across Bohemia. I had recently made Prague my home, and this is my, uh, my first two years here. I've really traveled the rails and the roadways throughout this great republic, from Ostrava to Shumava, from Pilsen to Bruno. The Bohemian Podcast will introduce you to this wonderful region of Central Europe. If you love history, you, you'll love this show. Um, we, we try to concentrate more on the overlooked parts of, of history, maybe something that not everybody knows, at least if, if you didn't grow up in this part. And there's a lot of you know, good stuff there. Um, we will talk about not just um, straight history, but also some of the famous kind of legends and traditions. Um, but they'll all have some basis in, in, his, in history somehow. I think what will make this podcast special and really stand out on its own is the fact that this is going to be from the viewpoints of two expat Americans that have decided to make Prague and the Czech Republic their home. Thus the name Bohemian, as in Bohemian American. <laughs> yeah. All right. Tonight we'll focus on the Czech capital of Praha, better known as Prague, but with a twist. We will skirt past the throngs of tourists in Old Town and take you to the hidden subterranean world of the medieval Prague underground tunnels. A great example of the history uh, people might not know is that Prague has an extensive underground. Not catacombs like in Paris, but a whole city with streets and houses and even Cold War bunkers. We're not just talking subways either. Prague has an underground city of its own. You're walking on the streets of Old Town and you're walking over an entire other city that is often forgotten. Yeah, I mean, uh, so if, if you go far enough back, like let's say definitely 11th century, um, that there's a whole underground kind of city, and especially around Old Town Square, that used to be the street level. So there's like living quarters down there, streets, everything. I mean, you can still make out the, the front doors, everything. Um, but it's it's pretty flown to pr- to pretty f- sorry. Okay. It's pretty. Fl- <laughs> you have to start again from the top. Okay, hold on. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> however, Prague is pretty prone to flooding, so um, they raise basically the whole city, what what is now Old Town, 
up a level, up a floor, sometimes even up to like two and a half floors. And uh, if you're walking around, especially Old Town Square, you can still see it. So if you peek in some of the windows, you have to know which ones. But you can really see it's just it's far down there. It's you know what what would be the roof of a two-story house is underground. Um, so yeah, it's 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 pretty impressive. Um, the thing is, it's so it's kind of I don't know if, if some of our listeners have been to Seattle or maybe are from Seattle. It's it's the same idea. So Seattle was really prone to flooding, and so they raised the whole city a, a street level, and then the underground kind of had this festering, uh, you know, underground culture, you know, prostitution and, and gambling and, you know, illegal gambling activities, black market, everything. So the, the same thing happened here. Um, the, the interesting thing is that now it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. You know, you think of the astrological clock in Prague, the, the old uh, town hall. But once that became the underground, those became torture chambers. I mean, for centuries, people were tortured there. And um, uh, I used to be a, a tour guide down there, so I've been down there hundreds of times. And it's interesting because you can make out someone's living room. Like it's, you know, finely carved um, stone, and then you step out, and it's on a, it's like a street. Even That's though it's amazing. all blocked off, it's, yeah. you know, it's cobblestone. So, like... Um, it was it was built up in the 14th century, around the time of Charles IV. So underneath, it's like you know, let's say 11th century, 12th century cobblestones, and it's just it's just a city under a city. Um, there's there's wells that still have water in them. Um, there's open pits. Um, you know, it's a it's a dangerous place. It, it was a dangerous place. Now it's kind of uh, you know you kind of kind of got to watch your step. But um, yeah, I mean there's there's um at, for centuries when it was you know even during the time when it was a you know some of those rooms were torture chambers it was really a labyrinth and the thing is that if you were doing some kind of black market activity or whatever i mean it was a dangerous place the underground right like there would be open pits like i mentioned open wells there'd be booby traps like you know for invading armies all kinds of things um not to mention sewage, so you could go down there and get things like cholera and you know strange diseases. But if you were doing black market activities, go, escaping to the underground might still be the better option because if you get caught doing some bad thing, um, you might end up in some of those torture chambers. And yeah, that's that's not good. But I, I would think it would be a little bit different thing getting caught by Interpol today. Uh, you'd have a fighting chance. I think back then, in the Middle Ages, uh, to get caught in doing something wrong or against local mandates would uh, get you not only uh, death, unfortunately, probably get you torture before death. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that was pretty much the, the, the flow of what happened underneath these streets of Prague, especially in Old Town. But i got to ask you, Travis, real quickly, giving tours and, and talking to tourist and making this actually a tourist trap, no pun intended, <laughs> where instead of getting cholera, you might get a t-shirt. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but back in the day, with all these horrible things that happened, there's got to be some some really weird feelings being down there. Oh, uh, maybe man, maybe feeling some yeah. bad echoes of, of, of the past. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a creepy place, and um, it's interesting because... Uh, I got I got to the point where I've been down there so often that if all the lights went out, I'd be able to find. I mean, it's it's, it's a maze. It's uh, you know everything's uneven, but I but I've been down there so often that I know exactly where the steps are. I know where everything is. 
Um, however, it's creepy. Like there's graffiti down there, like etched into the stone. Um, one thing that really struck struck me was, um, like I said, Václav a couple of times, which is a really common Czech name. Um, Martin, there's dates down there, like 1609. Um, There's the executioner's symbol, like two crossed axes, kind of, you know, etched right into the doorway there. And um, there's, it's kind of gory. So uh, for our more sensitive listeners, maybe, uh, you know, skip a couple minutes here. But and I don't know how much we want to get into the, tor- the torture, but it, it was gruesome. I, I, I mean, think, I think was... we do need to talk about it because uh, Prague, as many people have told us, and may probably have told you, when you moved to Prague uh, as an American, and uh, a lot of us unfortunately don't have the knowledge of Central Europe uh, taught to us at a young age in the States, uh, this was a learning curve for me. And yeah. people would say Prague is, is an absolutely amazing city, and it is. But it's the best and worst of European history. Uh, yeah. It's the best as in Baroque architecture. It's the best of mm-hmm. some, some great musical composers have composed some beautiful things here. Artwork, um, uh, just the ideas of, of the Renaissance had, had flourished here in, in some parts. But I, I would tell you, though, it's also the but, some of the worst. Yeah, but it had a dark side. It had a right. dark side. It had a dark oh, yeah. side. And, we could, and during the course of this show, these weeks ahead of us, uh, we will be talking about some of those dark sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very beginning of, of the uh, Czech people, we'll be talking about uh, the Middle Ages. We'll be talking about the Reformation and how that worked oh, out yeah. for everybody. Countless wars. Not yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be talking about the Nazi occupation. We'll be talking about communism. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's been a lot of rough things going here, but when we get back to the idea of, of, of the dark side of Prague, this really will make the hair on your arm stand up. When you talk about torture and yeah. that there was no hope There's, for you if you got caught if, and put down in these tunnels. Yeah, I, I would say the hopelessness, that's kind of a, that's a key, let's say, emotion. I mean, I mean, it's, yeah, you you know that it's the end. Going down there was a death sentence. It's it's how you would die. Or how long the, it would take for you to die. How too. long it would take. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a couple of stories we'll get into where, you know, they were tortured for a while, but... Um, uh, to give you to give you more of an of a picture of of what's actually there right now, um, like I said, you know, it's the cobblestones. You can you can tell that it was a street at some point. But uh, when the you know the communists just kind of used those chambers as storage because it's right underneath old town the old town hall. It's a UNESCO site, like I mentioned, and it's right underneath the the clock tower. Um, it's kind of the foundation of the clock tower. Like one of the rooms is the bottom of the clock tower. Yeah, if, if I could but, for, if yeah. stop you for real quick, Travis. Uh, when when visitors visit Prague, you can't oh, mi- you can't this miss is, it. This it's, is the thing they see. Yeah, yeah. the clock. They, yeah. They, they see the clock tower and people around the top of every hour gather around the yeah. clock tower. That still works today. So imagine. And that's a whole other story for another beneath, show. Yeah, but beneath their feet is um, history of horrors. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So the interesting thing is. Um, anywhere you walk, a lot of it's not excavated. But to give you a specific example, in the 90s when the communists left, they cleared out all the, the storage stuff. And there was one of the pits. When they cleared it out, they started finding human bones. And they're still there. They excavated them. But, I mean, when I say they're still there, I'm not talking Paris catacombs. I mean, they're sitting around in cardboard boxes. So if you go on those tours, you can just, you know, you, you see them. They're, they're just put aside in one of the rooms. So nobody decided to, to, and, to make a memorial to these folks or basically no, to No, at least not yet. I mean, I think yeah. it's all kind of a work in progress. It's hard to say. Like sometimes in the daytime, there's, there's art galleries down there. So it's, uh, you know, they just they kind of ignore that dark past and, you know, just walk right by the graffiti. 
but um, this this one particular pit. In fact, you can watch it. I don't want to plug the show. We're not getting anything out of this. But if you watch, um, uh, I think it's called uh, Most Haunted Live or something. It's the British, the British version. British I've version seen that. of yeah. of the yeah. show, and uh, they go down there. In fact, they sit in that pit in pitch blackness with just a webcam. And and I'll tell like you, sounds like fun, like a good Saturday night. Yeah. yeah. When when I <laughs> okay, well, when I when I was down there, I was down there a bunch of times, not afraid of the place. I, you know, even if the lights went out, I would know exactly where the exit was. I wouldn't even worry about it. But there's a couple of creepy things, and one of them is that pit. Like just sub I, after about the fiftieth time, I noticed that subconsciously, I didn't look down there. Like it's just it's just a weird vibe and that's where they found the bones and they, there's some 3,000 bones sitting in cardboard boxes 3,000 bones so we're talking yep. many many people at this point well yeah. okay the interesting thing is that if you do the math you think well there's 200 bones something in the yeah. in the human body um, significant so you, bones you think, I mean, yeah, besides, yeah so you yeah, think the oh hands, there's the like 15 people no because there's there's far more skulls than that and the thing is to get, to get into one of the stories and um, I'll, I'll tell you like uh, let's say there's like ten rooms down there. They know which one was a kitchen at one point. They know which one uh, was kind of the entryway. They don't. They don't know for sure which ones were torture chambers and which ones weren't. They just know that torture did happen in some of those rooms. Um, there's the graffiti in one of the rooms that might give something away, and the one the room with the pit in it is right next to it. And so the thing is, you think, okay, three thousand bones, fifteen people, no. Because what we do have written record of is some of the guards like to play a game. And so, like I said, when you get sent down there, it's a death sentence. They don't care about what happens to you next. So what the guards would do was um, there's all kinds of torture devices. We, we, you know, we can get into that. But, but in this particular pit, what they would do is they'd throw a couple of guys down there and you know, um, let them starve a couple of days. And then you, they'd give them one little tiny slice or kind of a you know rind of a of a piece of bread and drop it down the hole and watch them fight for it and some of them just by dropping them down there they might you know get a broken foot or a broken leg or something so you know they're not doing too well and so they'd place bets you know who's going to get the bread today right so they'd fight over this and um you know the 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 prisoner they got the bread that that soldier would win well now it's pitch black down there and what do you think happens when, after a couple of days, um, you know, sooner or later, one of them's going to starve to death? Pitch black, fresh, warm corpse. What do you think happens when that guy yeah, dies? It, it right? becomes a survival issue. Yeah, um, they they got cannibalized. Now, when I when I say three thousand bones, the thing is they didn't find any small bones. Like there's no you know pinky uh, finger bones. Those are just gone. I don't know if they're dissolved over time. Um, possibly digested, crunched up, who knows. But all the medium-sized bones, like let's say rib bones, they were all broken in half, probably to get to the marrow. And all 3,000 bones, uh, including you know jaw bones, skull bones, every, all of them had human teeth marks on them. So that, that's the proof of cannibalism. So it's, yeah. A lot of, a lot of With the, the written records of the game and then, yeah, finding those bones. That's, that's pretty good ev- evidence. Um, we do know some more concrete stories of some of the people that were down there. Um, you know, I, I, I one of the stories that I've heard uh, uh, being here was the one of of one of the uh, most famous inmates in some of these chambers was Jan Zaleski uh, of right. the Hussite Wars, yeah. um, and he was kept down there for 
some three years. Yeah. Jan Szlowski was uh, a radical priest that led uh, a procession through Prague that ended the first uh, de- ended in the first defenestration in 1419. If we can go back that far. Well, uh, imagine three years. First of all, yeah. Three, I, you if know. you can make that, I don't know if you but you lose your mind. Second, what the heck's a defenestration? Okay, well, the defenestration, uh, this is one of the things that you learn when you come through as, 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 a, uh, as a tourist because the defenestration, the first and second defenestration, had huge ramifications for uh, Europe and yeah. what was coming up as the Reformation between the Protestants and the Catholics. Yeah. Right? And not just Bohemia. I mean, it was, yeah. Well, it started, it started here. Yep, they started both here Prague. in Prague, and it set in motion a chain of events where millions of lives were changed and lost, yeah. uh, and the, the course of one of the more uh, prominent religions on the so planet had had to adapt and change. Define the word. What, what, what are we talking about? Uh, being thrown from the window. That's yeah. That's it's right. Ba- basically, is what happens. There's a word for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's a word for that. It, it, the difference in Czech and English is sometimes immense, and sometimes there's things that don't translate here. That's something you learn yeah. as as an expat living in Czech but Republic. It's, but it is. A key word, like yeah. it's it's central to. to I, I've been actually the room in Prague Castle, where mm-hmm. they actually tossed the guy right out the window, and that is the first or second. That would be the second. Yeah, okay. That'd be the second yeah. one. So yeah, well, I'll, um, I'll give it to you. I'll hand it over to you. Yeah. So the first one was fourteen nineteen. You mentioned Hussite Wars. We're not going to get into that because I guess that'll be a future episode. Out, out that's too much right now. That's fascinating yeah. stuff. Yeah. The the second one. Um, is had wide leading consequences. Uh, there was kind of an that started an uprising, um, which ended in the Battle of White Mountain. You know, the, which in turn, kind of some turn of events, which started the Thirty Years' War. But um, the reason we bring up that one is because the leader of that rebellion was a man named Jan Jasinski, or his. We kind of know him by his Latin name, Jan Yesenius, and he's famous. Um, he was he was a professor of medicine in uh, Charles University. He did the first public autopsy, um, which the Catholics frowned upon, but but he was Protestant, which is it's it's important in the story. These are these are like reformers, kind of. Um, so yeah, him and his twenty six compatriots ended up in those same torture rooms, uh, the torture chambers, you know, underneath the the. The old town, uh, underneath the old town hall, and, and this is as, and for our listeners. This is a historical consequence mm-hmm. to the uprising and the battle, the lost battle of the Protestants uh, at the Battle of Bilahora, which is White Mountain in English, yeah. which is just it's just actually inside actually Prague now near Prague Six in the district that we call Prague Six today, uh, to the northwest a little bit, um, and uh, it is a uh, very famous battle. Some. Uh, they say thirty to forty thousand combatants combined, yeah. seven thousand or so killed, but mainly the, in the, hours. In like hours, was, and, yeah. and basically the the end story is the Protestants lost, and therefore Bohemia was taken over by a greater power, and the idea of a Bohemian uh, autonomous kingdom was gone forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, at least until the for, first republic for three hundred years. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so a lot of consequences with this, but the big deal were the twenty-seven noblemen that they needed to make. An example of, and yeah. that example was harsh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so they were they were tortured for some nine months. They were, which you know, try to picture that for a minute. I mean, that, that's that's pretty harsh. Um, can, can you t- can you tell us some of the torture techniques, Travis, about what uh, what they might have done? Well, I, I'm not sure about what they did in those chambers precisely. I mean, there's there's a wide range of of torture devices from the time period. 
Um, so, so we can guess. One that, that comes to mind that I just I remember it because it's particularly gruesome is called the Swedish wheel. And they strap you in to a huge wheel, and at the bottom of the vat is basically boiling oil. So think of like a deep fryer. Yeah. And uh, just the way they strap you in, you know, this can involve the rack, which is, you know, stretching your bones, breaking your bones, whatever. And then they, you know, so you have this, you're in a wheel, you're turning around in circles. So you have this quiet reprieve when you're in the top, although full of pain. And then they dip you down into this vat of, you know, boiling water, uh, boiling oil, rather. So you're slowly being cooked alive. Um, eventually, your skin just kind of falls off, and you don't last very long. Some some of the really tough stories that you hear about the about the the torturing, um, uh, just are just the base horrible parts of being of of, of uh, being a bad human <laughs> to it and doing horrible things to another human being, uh, were uh, just part of the, the daily issues of what happened for for medieval torture. Uh, and if you were got caught, you'd prefer a quick death, and that wasn't granted to you. One, one of the uh, things it would do would be able to, to take take you uh, and put you up on a, uh, a harness, um, fully un, uh, fully uh, uh, take take your clothes completely off, um, and they would lower you onto a sharpened pyramid uh, to a certain orifice. And the the idea is, yes, the the weight of your body would probably do a lot of damage, of course, and cause internal bleeding. Uh, which would be something that would maybe speed death a little bit faster. But really, the unfortunate ones were the ones that contracted, uh, um, uh, got got very sick actually from the bacteria because they did not clean these devices from their previous torture victims. So it was one of those things where you got sick uh, from an infection, more likely, which meant a longer prolonged death. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is hard stuff to listen to. It's hard stuff to talk about. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're of <laughs> of the type of person that wants to come in and and learn about these torture things to say, okay, let's not repeat this as a as a historical uh, reminder. Let's not give anybody any ideas. Right. Let's right. not give anybody ideas. But let's also yeah. look at what, why we can't ever go back to this again. Uh, there there are several places in Prague in Old Town. Uh, one in particular is kind of a tourist trap, but it's a museum of torture. Um, they do uh, explain a lot of this stuff, and they do show them mm-hmm. uh, people with the actual devices that were used on, in underground Prague. So um, it's something that uh, will keep you up at night <laughs> to, yeah. when you think about it. And I'm sure giving these tours to a lot of tourists, that's something that they had taken with them uh, back home to the respective countries mm-hmm. as something they did not know but wish to probably forget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, but it, it's – it. One thing that kind of gets me for the, for these 27 noblemen and the losing cause was the end of the torture. Let's say right. they, they, they all made it because there was an edict that they could not be tortured to death because they needed them exactly. for a public yep. showing. Mm-hmm. And if you walk around just to the right of the clock tower where there's a kind of an open space, there's a, a little, a little uh, plaza connected to the, the great square there, um, and you will see 27 white crosses – um, that are made of little little blocks of stone that that are there to represent these twenty seven noblemen. That's exactly where the uh, the big platform, the yeah, scaffolds yeah. were, where they met their demise. And I would say most tourists don't know that because I mean, there's there's twenty seven crosses. There's the date, the the twenty first of June, sixteen twenty one, the the summer solstice, and there's two uh, executioner symbols, the the cross swords. Cross swords yeah. But there's nothing else. Um, maybe there's a check plaque, you know, but. 
But uh, tourists just wander right over that without knowing what that is, per se. It's kind of surreal. I mean, every, everyone's either drinking their Pivo beer yeah. or uh, having you know, an ice cream cone right at one of the more gruesome parts of Czech history. Yeah, where the scaffolds um, were for a long time. But maybe, Travis, you can tell our listeners uh, on this podcast that how these guys met their fate uh, was all had a message to it. Mm-hmm. And the executioner um, did his best with a sharpened sword to a certain point. To make their heads, the that's, heads come off a lot easier. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> so to our to our eyes, this is this doesn't sound like humane. something nice no. or humane. <laughs> However, no, um, the executioner, and, and we'll we'll get into who he was in a different podcast, um, possibly with the the second defenestration. But just the execution itself is very interesting because. Um, it was noted, including in the English language. I mean, there there was a kind of a diplomat for uh, you know from the UK at the time, from England rather, and um, you know he even describes that first of all, um, the executioner always wore a red mask. This time he wore a black mask to show show sympathy, and um, you know we can, sympathy towards who? Towards the twenty-seven being executed, the, the Protestants. Uh huh. And right. exactly, yeah. We can get into his whole life and everything, and and he has a fascinating life. The executioner, I mean. Um, but yeah, he was Protestant, as were his execu- as were the twenty-seven noblemen, and uh, so he showed sympathy that way. He also, um, this is a gruesome little tidbit, but um, if the executioner did not pity you, like let's say you're a murderer or a rapist, and the executioner felt like you deserved your punishment then they would op- often purposefully use a rusty kind of dull blade. There's a, uh, one instance of, of uh, someone in Serbia living for another 24 hours after his beheading. So it was blunt enough that, you know, he kind of took a couple of whacks at it, but the guy survived this for another day. So, I mean, I mean that's, you know, worst-case scenario, so imagine that. You know, it could be more than one, one hacks. But in this case, it was noted that that the executioner, his name was Jan Midlarsh, which is John Miller, I guess, if you want to be, if you want to be technical about it. But, <laughs> but um, Jan Midlarsh, um, that it was actually noted that he had multiple razor sharp swords. And now this is strange to our ears, but it, but it was noted that when he chopped off uh, uh, Jan Yesenius's head, that it just went whoosh, one swipe and went sailing into the air. Which was a clear sign of sympathy, which is strange to us, I'm sure. Um, and, we, and we know this, by the way, from letters, correspondence yeah. in English yep. that were written towards the, the monarch in, in uh, England at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, again, this was a big showing, not to just to show everyone in Bohemia don't rise up against the Catholic Church uh, or the powers to be in Austria. But this is for Europe to yep. see. And so yep. they had a lot of diplomats and uh, and people representing different different kingdoms here at that that time in 1621 to witness all this mm-hmm. happening. And I also heard that if you actually were one of the 27 noblemen that actually had a weapon in your hand at Bilahora at the Battle of Bilahora, mm-hmm. they took off your hands first. Yeah. Before they took the decapitation. Yeah. So mm-hmm, yeah, Jan Yesenius because he was kind of the leader of the group. Let's 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 say the speaker. They cut out his tongue first. And another thing that was noted is that um, apparently um, – you can take this with a grain of salt – but uh, apparently Jan Midlarsh – so the executioner actually went up to Jan Yesenius and asked him for his forgiveness before he did this. And uh, you know, Jan Yesenius answered something to the effect of, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do. And so he cut off his tongue. 
then cut off his head. Then some of these actors, like you said, the ones that actually picked up arms, they cut off their arms before being beheaded. Then uh, 24 out of the, the 27, I believe it was, or 23 out of the 27 were beheaded. Another, another three or four, I don't remember the numbers exactly, but another three, uh, the emperor decided they deserved death, but not that their blood be shed. So they were hung from the scaffolds above where the other guys were beheaded. It's, the window is still there. It's actually one of the windows that's halfway missing. It's, you can still see that window where the scaffolds would hang out of. And then the last guy... Uh, he was just a secretary of sorts, and uh, he begged for his life, saying, you know, he's not nobility, he didn't do anything. So the emperor spared his life, but because he begged so much, because he flapped his tongue so much, he nailed him by his tongue to the scaffolds and left him there. That's not the end of the story. Then uh, they took I, Yenisin- I, wish, I wish it was. I wish it were. Yeah. <laughs> they, they took Yanisinius's tongue, nailed it to his head, oh. and they took... 12 of the top leaders and put their heads in a metal cage and hung it from Charles Bridge for 10 that years. That was not uncommon for these, ta- for these right. times because they, yep. w- they would basically warn anybody coming in in the city, this is what happens to you for if you're uh, 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 you know, convicted of treason. Yep. And they this would is, do this in England quite a bit. Actually. Yeah, this is yeah. the same time period where they would put you in a cage and just let you starve to death yeah. publicly. Uh, yeah, so it's it's um, yeah not uncommon, but it was a clear sign that you know don't try this again. Uh, Bohemia no longer exists as a as a political entity, you know, and um, yeah. All hail the uh, Habsburg overlords. Yeah, the, so uh, there were many things that were coming the way uh, towards Bohemia at the time because of this, and it was something that uh, the Czechs never really forgot. Uh, it was a benchmark in their history. And moving forward, we, we see that it's unfortunately not the, not the first or last time that the, uh, the shadow, shadows of uh, uh, other countries or other entities would come over the uh, Czech people and the Czech lands. Uh, we would have uh, Nazi occupation. We would mm-hmm. have uh, the communist regime. Uh, and people at some point uh, still tried to hold on to what it meant to be Czech, what it means to be Czech. And that's uh, something that I think that the people here are still struggling to figure that out. But it, even uh, even Nazis and communists had roles to play regarding the underground. They did. Uh, you know, uh, during, the, during the resistance... Uh, one thing that, that you would think when you heard about uh, the Czechs being taken over and become uh, became a protectorate, if you will, from the uh, Third Reich, uh, they were just basically – the lands were just given away by other European powers, specifically Great Britain, uh, and uh, basically signed on over to Hitler to appease him. Of course, that didn't work out with Poland, and we had the yeah. Second World War. Right. Uh, one of the big things, though, is that the Czechs did not roll over. Some did capitulate. Some did feel uh, that they were closer to the German Empire, especially if you live closer to the border. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, at but, the time, especially mm-hmm. you know, a lot of connections with the, with the German people uh, pre World War One. Uh, but when we get to the the 1930s, um, the the winds of war were blowing, and people knew exactly what was going to happen. And uh, I think to the to uh, to the chagrin of everybody else around the world, uh, it was just too late uh, to do anything. The, the Czech resistance did fight. They fought mm-hmm. very, very hard. And uh, in, in future podcasts, we'll talk about Operation Anthropod, and we'll talk about uh, the, you know the assassination of, of Heydrich. Uh, uh, but you know, it, to, to, to get an idea about what these folks did and how they hid in the city of Prague, 
you have to again look underneath the city mm-hmm. and some of these horrible stories of, of places of, of uh, torture chambers became um, uh, avenues of freedom in a lot of ways sure. to hide away from, places, from the yeah. Germans exactly mm-hmm. um, so those things are, are all underneath the city and uh, they're just wonderful bits of history uh, for those of you that are thirsty for knowledge of Central Europe uh, and Prague and the Czech Republic so if you ever do come to Prague to visit uh, you're, you're going to have to take these tours you're going to have to uh, start asking questions there'll be, uh, there'll be people and organizations more than happy to take your money <laughs> to, yeah. to, to show you around but it's worth it I, I think it's, oh, it's yeah. definitely an interesting tour to take I would uh, yeah I would encourage the the uh, the ghost tours I was actually particularly like a ghost tour guide and that's that's kind of the you know it's the darker parts but eh, maybe the most interesting ones I don't know well, it's, before we wrap up tonight, all, I, I, I definitely want to kind of go over a little bit more of, of maybe the modern-day underground that we mm-hmm. talk about with sure. Prague. Uh, one of the beautiful things about living here is the, the metro system uh, that they have here. People, they do drive. Which, which it still ties into uh, the communist era. It, well, yeah. It, 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 in, a, in, a, in a fantastic way. <laughs> yeah, well, please t- t- tell our audience about that because that, that is well, interesting. Well, so if – there's, there's three metro lines uh, they're planning a fourth, but if you take the green line, um, especially right downtown, that's the one that you take to go downtown, like museum, you know, the the, 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 the main area we're talking about here. If you'll notice, it is very far underground. Um, Namesti Miru, um, which means like peace square or square of peace, um, it's the escalator is 113 meters long. So, you know, to people that aren't used to that, 113 meters is like 300 feet. That, so, that's very close. Like that. Our American like, audience might know this from Washington, D.C., near the, near the uh, National yeah, Zoo. Yeah. It's, it's, it's about the same it's length dizzying. as that. It's, yeah. yeah I mean, if, yeah. Yeah, it's very it's very disheartening to get to get on yeah. it, and you can't even see daylight as you're going up. Well, but, <laughs> but there's a reason for that because not all the lines are like that. You know, some of them are, are normal, but um, yeah, they're, they're so far underground because it was designed as a fallout shelter during the Cold War. For, during the Cold War, and uh, there's there's a couple of interesting little kind of um, facts there. Um, one I'll, one I'll mention is that in, in 2002, there was a flood. It, it was an epic flood, um, kind of infamous. It, it flooded all of downtown. Well, one of the side effects was around the, the metro station Mustek, which is, again, right on, you know, Wenceslav Square. It's, it's the one you would get off to to maybe go to Old Town Square or the main uh, Wenceslav Square there. But um, around that area, coffins started floating up. Coffins. Coffins, yeah. And people started freaking out. I didn't you know, know there was a cemetery. Exa- well, neither did I. Well, there's the Jewish cemetery is pretty close, but but it yeah. was it wasn't there. And um, people started freaking out, thinking a cemetery somewhere, you know, got loose and you know, the, the dirt got loose and the coffins floated to the top. But it turned out pretty quickly that the coffins were empty. And then someone remembered that, oh yeah, down in the metro, in the subway, is uh, some old fallout shelter, shelter rooms full of old supplies like canned foods, um, radio equipment, and even, in case of death, uh, empty coffins, a whole room full of them. So they just kind okay. of floated up to the top. And uh, yeah, another kind of interesting thing is that um, after the Cold War ended, it uh, turns out that the whole fallout shelter thing was mostly I don't know what to call it um, propaganda. It, it was um, they they did a couple of quick studies and said that the ventilation was horrible, 
if um, even you know if, if even like fifty to hundred thousand people went down there, which is you know five to ten percent of the population of Prague, everyone just would have suffocated pretty quickly. There's no way to survive a nuclear winter or any kind of anything down there. You know, more than a couple hours. I mean, it's a it's a bomb shelter, but not a fallout shelter. Interesting. So interesting. Yeah, yeah that, I, I think. Uh uh, we, there's many stories like that back in the states of, of uh, during the Cold War of turning your backyard into a, a bomb shelter. Or yep. my, my favorite is during the, the during the time my, my father would tell me that uh, they would they would tell and these sirens go off in school and they would all hide under their desk like that would stop like that would uh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah nuclear uh, explosion fantastic mm-hmm. <laughs> we've learned a lot haven't we C- cover uh, yourself in wet newspaper exactly yeah. you'll be okay yeah, right yeah, sure. uh, well you know I I think this I. We really wanted to give our audience uh, just a taste tonight because in the future uh, podcast that we're going to have for Bohemian Podcast, uh, we're going to be traveling not just uh, throughout just parts of Prague but all of Prague. And we're going to give you an idea of different times, different eras uh, about this wonderful place uh, of of Central Europe uh, that we've chosen to make our homes uh, and raise our families. And I I think that – I, I, I don't know if I can speak for you, Travis. I do miss the states, and I do appreciate being uh, being an American. But being over here is such a unique experience. Yeah. Uh, that uh, it's this is a, a great time to, to be here in Prague. I, it, we're 20 plus years after the revolution, mm-hmm. and uh, things have changed so much uh, that uh, it's it's not so much of a giant culture shock. Uh, but if we do have yeah. if we do experience that, we'll be talking about that on the show as well. Uh huh. It's it's changed a lot. Even I've I've been here seven years or oh, yeah, almost eight years, and it's changed a lot in that time. Even so, some of the folks that have been here in the nineties, it, it's it's a different it's a world. different place. Oh isn't yeah, it? yeah. Isn't it? Well, you know, I think uh, that's probably a great place for us to hold uh, to to stop for tonight. Um, we uh, we would like you to check out uh, Bohemian com for the latest episodes that we'll be putting together uh, online, uh, as well as uh, subscribe on iTunes. Um, and and the uh, um, blog that I have at bohemican.com, you can check out what I'm up to here in Prague. Again, we won't just be focusing on Prague every week. We're going to be spreading out, man. Uh, I spent a lot of time this summer looking at some w- wonderful places in Chesky Krumlov, in Moravia. Oh, yeah. I've uh, been down yeah. in Shumova, down to the southern part mm-hmm. near Austria. Um, there's just one amazing thing after another um, across this great country, and we'll try to bring that to you as well. Please make sure you send us an email. Uh, any suggestions and, and uh, requests or corrections, we'll try to do the best we can. Uh, you can also find that email uh, at bohemican.com to, mm-hmm. to, to get back to us as well, and we would love to hear from you. Yep. And uh, check out our sister podcast uh, called History of Alchemy at uh, historyofalchemy.podhoster.com uh, or historyofalchemy.com for – it's kind of – it's more of a wiki than a blog, but um, uh, kind of interesting stuff. We, we – there's, there's uh, some pretty interesting uh, Czech alchemists that, that we get into. And again, it's, it's um, me and Pete hosting that one. So we'll be back every two weeks. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.